0: Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to grow your firm by providing virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. Um, This is actually going to be a quick episode. We just have a a, a hot topic issue we want to talk through and make sure that um, all of our listeners um, have our thoughts on the issue. So there's been some some baking activity in the news lately. So we have uh, Paul Ray here, and obviously Adam Hale to kind of just briefly talk through the issue and and really our goal here is two things: one to give a little bit of background, and two to talk about what our clients or what our listeners can do going forward. So um, welcome to the show, Paul and Adam.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having us. All hey, right. Paul, do you mind do you mind uh, giving the the listeners a little bit of your background uh, just so they can. They know to listen more to you than Jamie or I whenever it comes to this topic. (laughs) I mean, that's that's probably going to be evident anyway, but go ahead.
2: Well, I wish I could get that at my house as well. But yeah, we'll (laughs) uh, we'll start from there. Uh, you know have been a, a 32 year, year banking veteran uh, here in the Midwest and uh, primarily my uh, territory Missouri Kansas Colorado Wyoming and Montana with a, a large bank one of the big six for many years but also spent plenty of time on the community side and and even the regional side and and joined uh, Anders about five years ago as a uh, as an individual that would work directly with our clients on banking relationships and making sure that they're doing the right thing moving forward, as we all know, that's that's uh, that's a challenge for any business, whether it's small, medium, or large. And I've worked with uh, this firm off and on for probably thirty years as well, uh, referring clients back and forth, and and uh, it just made sense, uh, and that's what I do here. So that's quick background.
0: Great. So. So in case anyone is coming off a sabbatical or they've been in a, in a cave for the last couple of months, can you just give a, um, a real quick uh, summary of, of what's um, gone down over the last couple of weeks?
2: Well, I, I think more than anything, uh, it, you know, if, if it hadn't have went the direction of uh, of social media, I think we probably would be having a different discussion today. But here we are. So, you know, let's go back to Silicon Valley Bank, who uh, has a history of working with uh, techs and, and uh, digital firms and startups and uh, for many years. And so with that, uh, it, it, a little bit different client base uh, from a a. Commercial bank that that deals with more diversified clients, but certainly SV, SVB had some of that as well. Uh, so you know, good bank to work with the startup industry. But as you know, you look directly at uh, you know lifting up the covers a little bit and sort of looking at what's underneath. A couple of different things uh, happened. One. Um, they had a lot of uninsured deposits and uninsured deposits exist in every bank, not just SVB. Uh, They had their share of it, uh, just like, you know, First Republic is dealing with now because there are a lot of companies or individuals of wealth that dealt with those banks. So naturally over the past 20 years, we've gotten comfortable with relationships and forgot a little bit about safety and diversification. Um, And with that, uh, you know, there's there's concern if if there's a problem with the bank. Well, really, without rising interest rates, there probably wouldn't have been a significant problem. But when you go through a process of what you want to invest all those excess deposits in, uh, you know, you make the decision. And one of the decisions that was made by SVB, right or wrong, and we'll certainly know more down the road, was to invest a ton in treasuries, which are interest rate-sensitive vehicles. So with that you're going to have a challenge just like any of our own investment portfolios but we have to wait long term right to to gain those back not a bad decision but you know the the regulatory industry typically doesn't like that uh that size of portfolio so what what on the interest rate sensitive side so what happens at this point is rates go up value of their investments go down but the client base, unfortunately, uh, got wind of the, the, the challenges from a social media perspective, it, it seemed, and there were some calls for uh, yanking of deposits. And it's something that's very difficult to stop, especially when it's large deposits. And there was a run on the bank. So the bank made a decision, um, right or wrong, and and again, history will tell, but uh, they had to liquidate some assets that were down here, treasuries that the value's here, not up there. So what happens? Uh, at that point, they don't have enough to fund the depositors. It just heads downhill quick. So that sort of in a nutshell is what took the 16th largest bank in the country down. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty of other things, but that's what's, I think, given the the, the folks, a little uneasiness in the banking industry that how many other organizations are out there that have the the huge amount of unsecured deposits and invested on the high side in treasuries. So let's go find the next bank to fail. That seems to be the motto. And with that,
1: it causes people to run, get their
2: deposits out. And here we are today.
1: So yeah, with three or four more banks doing kind of the same thing, right? A um, right. little different situations, but kind of yeah. a similar, similar problem. So, you know, as you mentioned, only time will tell. You know, kind of what what to do there, and obviously, you know, stoking panic just makes the problem bigger. So, so what do uh, what what should we be telling our clients? What should we be talking about? I mean, I guess you'll probably tell us this is the same stuff that probably has been going on for years. But, but what are our options out there for clients?
2: Yeah, I I think, Adam, I, I think we all get a little complacent when we talk about the strength of the banking industry. Those of us that were around in 08, it was painful, but it was all about bad debt, derivatives, all of those types of things back then. You remember, everybody got 100 or 150% on mortgages. It was just a crazy environment this one sort of snuck up on the general public. I'm not so sure it completely snuck up on the regulators, but uh, they hoped uh, to keep it uh, you know in a little group and it just didn't happen that way. So we're back to what uh, what typically folks sort of should be doing all all along is how do we remain safe and diversify? But oh by the way, we want uh, great returns. And, you know, we, we we want it all and we've kind of had it all for the past 15 years. So with that, um, you know, we've been a little spoiled. So now we sort of have to back up and say, you know what, the, the best return, if we follow normal investment principles, is the highest risk, right? Risk versus reward. So that's where banks, uh, you know, have have enjoyed that. Risk versus reward hasn't been much of a concern for the clients for quite some time. So our clients, really, in any businesses, whether it's startups, techs, any businesses across the board, should really have a strategy of diversification of the funds that they don't particularly need on a ninety to to you know ninety day basis to to a six month basis. If they've got that cash flow, let's start to diversify the rest of those funds. And how do you do that? It it you know we make it sound easy, but it's it, it it can be difficult. You know we're dealing most of our clients. I feel like deal with community and regional banks, although there are plenty in the large banks as well. The key really is is uh, you know having the the strategy of what you need and what you don't need. Taking that excess, for example, you know we've talked about uh, regional community banks having programs that. Uh, are, are uh, titled for CDs or money markets or checking accounts. Uh, you know, we throw a couple names out there, Cedars and ICS, uh, which uh, are parts of another company, but there are other companies as well that do this and they work with your bank to help you diversify that. And what they're really doing is moving it into CDs at a group of consortium banks out there so that you're under the FDIC insurance in every bank. So with that, you can decide, you know, do I want 90-day CDs or do I want six-month CDs or do I want one year? And if you've done that need strategy around your cash, it's a pretty easy situation. You can go out and do it in a money market scenario as well with, with the ICS product. So taking the names away from it, it really is just using your bank to help you diversify all that comes back into a nice clean report or online where you're really just going and accessing the information you have. That's that's one way. Not every bank has that, but most do, especially in the regional and and the community side. You know I stated in an email a couple of days ago that you know just in Missouri, Um, Illinois and Indiana, if I'm just sort of looking at that three-state area, there's almost 600 banks that participate in that. But it's not overly sold. It is now, but it wasn't. Because what bank wouldn't like to have all your deposit? What bank doesn't believe that it's safe enough to have all your deposits? So they get to loan on that. Well, they don't particularly get to loan on these deposits, but hey, they'd still love to have you as a a client relationship so they'll be happy to use this and and spread it out uh, through through the network another piece is just blocking and tackling the old-fashioned way if you let's say you have seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and you really only need to protect 500 get a couple of other banks and and, you know just literally go open accounts at that bank um might be a little harder if you have more money but that's the way it used to be done so you've got that process as well. Let's go to brokerage accounts. You know, we don't want to forget about those and I have to be careful on all the disclosures about brokerage (laughs) accounts because they have market risk and, you know, um, past returns are not a guarantee of what the future is going to bring. But there's great opportunities in the market out there, folks that have a little little more of an appetite with that, bringing it out of a bank, putting it with a, a, a a broker, an individual broker or wealth manager that can help ladder. And what I mean by ladder is stagger the maturities of investments. You know, these are things that um, we've all sort of gotten away from. And, you know, now we sort of need to get back to those. And that's where, you know, CFOs of companies can really pay attention to these things now that before it wasn't a concern. I think just a couple more items, Credit unions out there, you know, they have uh, FDIC, FDIC insurance that's not FDIC. It's new, through the National Credit Union Association, but works the same. So if you're in a community that only has a couple of banks, but has a credit union, don't hesitate to utilize that. Sort of the, the same thing. Uh, and last but not least, I think uh, for folks, we're talking about companies today, but these owners also have personal money. So, you know, there's a, a, a much stronger uh, way to to protect those in a bank because you can take different titling trusts all those types of things and you can protect more with the same bank under FDIC insurance by just doing some things around titling and you know we could spend two hours on that today but there's some great resources on the FDIC website your local community bank can help you through that to gain a lot more uh, insurance than you may have had before but with companies, it's a little tough you got to let your money get spread out a little bit so those are the things that i would pay attention to and and i would wouldn't worry about trying to research uh the bank that i'm at right now to make sure that if it's really really strong i'm going to leave all my money there maybe it's time to think about those strategies differently now than we had in the past
1: yeah can i vent for a few seconds i guess the, no, the, no, i guess can. the <laughs> The frustrating thing is like most of what you just said on the surface isn't super practical these days for, for, you know, like we see everything else where the government just doesn't trail with inflation as things change. I mean, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And, you know, you talked about. Um, and we don't have a crystal ball. We'll see now that they're insuring all these things if they bump it up or do different things for people. But um, you know, it just doesn't pace with practicality for business owners. I mean, that have a five hundred thousand dollar payroll or a three hundred thousand dollar payroll. I know and whenever you talk about risk reward, well, the safest you can possibly do and and the, the counterweight to that is is like, oh, I'm not getting any money on my money that's sitting in my checking account. Well, yeah, but but it's not risky. And so what we've always advised our clients, especially clients that have kind of a roller coaster in terms of, of their cash flow is, you know, hang on to 2 to 4 months worth of cash in the bank. You know, 10 mm-hmm. to 15% of your rolling revenue should be in cash, should be liquid because you're going to be able to have to act as your own line of credit. You're going to have to be able to move money and do all these kind of things. So we've always made that that use case for that. Um, and again, you're not getting a return on it, which is the bummer, but it's in a safe place. Right. And now what we're being told is it's "Eh, not so safe, you know, and we knew that, you know, anything North of 250. Um, but I think that whenever it comes to, you know, the more practical solution, and then, and then I guess even during COVID, we always really started talking about, Hey, you should really amplify your banking relationships. And how do you, how do you get more power with the, with a, a relationship? you, consolidate into one place so you can leverage that banker and that that bank um, better now we're like okay all those things we have to unwind them a little bit. So I think what's interesting, you know, obviously if you can create a couple different relationships and move money around, I think that's obviously option option one, but those bank products through, um, and I know you mentioned like IntraFy, whenever we were talking about um, ICS and Cedars, you know, where they have those two different programs where they kind of do that stuff behind the scenes. Um, I did the same thing. I started looking up the banks, almost every local bank where I live has that program or has a program like that so i think we need to maybe start at least looking into that but i will say though that whenever i talk to some of the the big six that you're talking about the bigger banks and yeah. ask hey i didn't see you on this list yeah and they just said because we don't need to be on that list you know if 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 you end up having a problem with us for that your money's probably not worth anything anyway he kind of said that tongue-in-cheek one of the guys did but um but that i mean how do you What do you think about you know if you are with one of the um if you are with one of the the big huge big six banks and they don't offer that kind of program yeah so so
2: yeah you're right i mean we are living in a different reality the big six clearly have been focused on uh from a strength perspective by the federal government since 2008 they've they've done a masterful job of making sure that those folks are regulated to the nth degree uh, to make sure that you know they're quote too big to fail we keep hearing that you know and that's that's uh you can say that all day long and it it may be true but the the, the thought process around anything is, the old adage of all your eggs in run basket, and when i work for the big bank that's the same thing i would say but i think from a realistic perspective um you, you know you're with a big bank you can certainly put more deposits there but nothing is guaranteed above 250 and as long as you understand that then i think it tells you why the the driver of most organizations of the clients that the size that that uh, middle market companies that that we specialize in sort of have driven themselves out of the big bank into the regionals and the community banks because they're uh, they're much easier to deal with in some scenarios. And I have a lot of great friends that work with big banks and they do a great job, but there's never going to be a point when anyone's gonna be able to tell you that a bank is 100% safe. You know, the old adage of, yeah, if we go down, there's a big problem. Well, I remember 2008, there were a couple of pretty large ones that went down. And so there was a problem. But yeah, to to sort of wrap it up a little bit or with a bow on it, the bigger banks have been scrutinized much more heavily in the past six years and weren't given the opportunity to, to get outside the boundaries a little bit. So yeah, they're... They're probably from that perspective, they're probably safer, uh, but no one can guarantee that because we don't know what the market's gonna drive between here and there. So it's a challenge on the bigger banks. You almost do just have to have a mentality of, if I've got more there, then I'm doing it because they're too big to fail. We'll see if that works. And that's not a great solution for all of our clients. (laughs) But at least they're they're aware of it and maybe utilizing the other scenarios of working through brokerages and things of that nature.
0: So yeah, I think this is a lot, a lot of really good information here. Hopefully people are taking good notes. I think that the one final thought for me is, is, you know, as people know my background, I've worked in a couple of large organizations and both of those organizations had treasury departments, right? They had two or three persons of treasury departments that took care of this. And so if you're a small business, just like having an outsourced CFO, you want to make sure that you are aware of of what the big companies are doing, you need to be doing something similar. So whether you're working with the banks or whether you're having some someone in house checking your bank accounts and checking your balances and making sure you know where your money is um frequently, it, it needs to be the same as the big companies do. And like I said, that's that's what the big companies do. They have people that are looking at this all the time, moving money around all the time. And so if you're a smaller company or a smaller business, you need to make sure you're keeping an eye on your on your cash and and, and how it's how it's um spread out. So that, that's kind of my final thought. Um Paul, Adam, any final thoughts for our listeners?
2: You know, uh, Jamie, I do have one final thought, and Adam mentioned it a while ago, and I think he wanted to touch on that, but then he thought, I'll I'll hold off, so I'll touch on it. <laughs> $250,000 250, is not enough. Right. I mean, there, there either needs to be a significant change in the FDIC insurance, or it needs to go away completely, which, you know my feelings on that. That's probably a nightmare But if you can't guarantee people's money, then what options do you give them? So I think we'll see over the next 90 to 120 days, some significant changes around that. And I think that's, you know, diversify while you can. And let's see what we get out of this mess. We may get a bigger insurance uh, opportunity. So
1: let let me put my final thought back to you, Paul, for one last question, because this has been coming up. What about people with open lines of credit right now? I've heard an awful lot of people going, hey, maybe the bank won't have money. So should I go and even though I don't have anything on my drawn on my line of credit right now, should I just go grab my five hundred thousand dollars off my line and set it and and then do my diversification, but at least, you know, pay on the interest and sit on my cash just to protect it?
2: You know, If I had a dime for every time I'm asked that question uh, and it it really comes down to an opinion An opinion is that I have I've never been comfortable with taking on debt that you didn't need. But if I'm a business owner and I'm paying attention to this and I feel like that a half a million dollars uh, will give me some uh, diversity and, uh, you know, I can go out and, and diversify a portfolio, clean it up, give me a comfort level. Um, it would be hard to argue that. Would I do it? No, I'm I'm completely debt averse on some of those things. But you know, the, I if if all the banks are going to run out of money, uh, back to the adage, we're we're probably have bigger concerns than that. So I don't know that I'd take on additional debt. Um, but it's going to have to be each and every individual business owner's decision. Because yeah, it is an
1: uncomfortable feeling especially with the rates the way they are too. So it yes. almost like, you know, it, before it might've made sense when rates were super low, but now you're going to be paying a, um, a good chunk of change on that, on that poll So unless you're yeah. super close to your cash, you know, I think that's probably the one, the clients that are kind of leaning more towards that are people that are less worried about the diversification because they're sitting on a ton of cash and it's more the clients that, don't have any cash and are worried yeah. about not being able to access that line of credit. Um, yeah. I think those are the folks that probably, uh, maybe should, you know, consider that maybe a little bit heavier. Well,
2: and at this point, as long as it's a short-term strategy, then, you know, that certainly beats the alternative. Yep. Okay.
0: Great. All right. Well, definitely appreciate both you guys and a lot of, a lot of good information here. So appreciate
2: uh, the episode. You bet. Thanks for having me,
0: guys. Enjoy this podcast? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.